This is the Adams Road program. Adams Road is a Christian music ministry dedicated to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Today's program features Adams Road songs, Adams Road piano instrumental music, as well as music in the spoken word, offered to God as an aroma of Christ to help spread the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 4.13, Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Today's reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 4. What then will we say that Abraham, our forefather, has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not toward God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the reward is not counted as grace, but as something owed. But to him who doesn't work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness, even as David also pronounces blessing on the man to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered, Blessed is a man whom the Lord will by no means charge with sin. Is this blessing then pronounced on the circumcised or on the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it counted? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision, he received the sign of circumcision a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while he was in uncircumcision, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they might be in uncircumcision, that righteousness might also be accounted to them. He is the father of circumcision to those who are not only of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had in uncircumcision. For the promise to Abraham and to his offspring that he should be heir of the world, wasn't through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void, and the promise is made of no effect. For the law produces wrath. For where there is no law, neither is there disobedience. For this cause it is of faith, that it may be according to grace, to the end that the promise may be sure to all the offspring, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. This is in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls the things that are not as though they were. Besides hope, Abraham in hope believed, to the end that he might become a father of many nations, According to that which has been spoken, so will your offspring be. Without being weakened in faith, he did not consider his own body, already having been worn out, he being about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb, yet looking to the promise of God. He did not waver through unbelief, but grew strong through faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Therefore, 
it also was credited to him for righteousness. Now it was not written that it was accounted to him for his sake alone, but for our sake also, to whom it will be accounted who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. was justified by faith from the Adams Road album, Great Commission. Now in Paul's time, it would have been common for a Jewish rabbi to use Abraham as the ultimate example of faithfulness, of somebody who deserved to be justified by the law. Paul's actually going to use Abraham as the ultimate example to show how he was justified by faith and therefore how all of us are to be justified by faith. 
not by works. And so Paul starts in Romans chapter 4 by saying, if Abraham was justified by works, he would have something to boast about, but not before God. Interesting point. So yeah, Abraham did all these things in the flesh and he was obedient to God in a lot of ways, but if he was justified by those things that he did, then he would have something to boast about. And Paul's like, well, maybe he can boast before men, but before God, he has no room to boast. Let's think about Ephesians 2, 8, 9, where Paul teaches, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So there's no room in the gospel of Jesus Christ for boasting of man. So Paul says, if Abraham was justified by works, he'd have something to boast about, but not before God. And then after that, he says, but what does scripture say? He makes his statement and then he uses scripture to back it up. And this is a great example for all of us to back up what we say with scripture. And so Paul goes actually to Genesis 15. He says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So if we go to Genesis 15, what's going on there? We see Abraham conversing with God. And at that time, he wasn't even Abraham. He was still Abram. And he says in Genesis 15, 3, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And this is how God responds. He says, This man will not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. Now keep in mind, Abraham's a pretty old dude at this time. So is his wife, Sarah. So this is mind-blowing to consider, as they're pushing 100 years old, that this would even be possible. And so God brings Abraham outside, Abram, excuse me, and says, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them then he said to him so shall your offspring be and he believed the lord and he counted it to him as righteousness abraham's pretty much like well that's cool i believe you god and right on the spot his faith and what what god said what god pronounced that promise that god had made because of abraham's faith in that that faith was counted to abraham as righteousness so the Hebrew word there for believe is to be certain, like to be able to lean on that with all of your weight. And that's what Abraham was doing. He was putting all of his weight on the proclamation that God made and trusted in it, simply took it at face value. And it was counted to him as righteousness. And Paul's gonna use this example to say, this is how we become righteous before God through believing the gospel. And this gospel is that Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day. If we believe that, that's counted to us as a righteousness. Now, Paul in verse four, he gives this an example, this illustration. He says, now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. So if you've got a job and you punch in your time card and it's time to get paid for your work, you have the time card as evidence that you've worked so many hours, you deserve a wage for the work that you've put in. And Paul's saying that's not how salvation works. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him or trusts in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So he's saying in regards to salvation, you can't work for it, but you trust in God. You trust in Jesus. And God is the one who justifies the ungodly. That's an incredible statement. To justify the ungodly all of us are ungodly because we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but we can be justified through our faith, through not working for our salvation, but through trusting in the one who has saved us, Jesus Christ. And when we do that, our faith in Jesus is counted as righteousness. And then Paul brings in a second example by using King David, who also was ungodly. He was a sinner, no doubt, 
had made a lot of stupid mistakes, and yet he was a man after God's own heart. So Paul says, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. The word to look out for in this chapter, which has to do with our justification, is the word imputation or imputed, or in the translation that we're reading here, counted, or some translations accredited. This idea of imputation, the first man Adam sinned, and through him sin and death has spread to all men, and so all have sinned. Because Adam sinned, we're all under that condemnation. We have inherited that sin nature from Adam. Now, when Jesus died for our sins on the cross, he bore in his body our sins. It says that he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And that's from 1 Peter 2.24 or from 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. What that is saying is that our sins were imputed to Jesus on the cross. The law shows a picture of this in Leviticus 16, when it talks about the Day of Atonement. In the Day of Atonement, there were two goats that both were a type for Jesus, and one goat was the sacrificial goat, and the other goat was the scapegoat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions, all their sins and he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area, and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. There's the imputation of our sins being put on Jesus on the cross, but then for those who accept what Jesus did on their behalf and trust in him and don't work for their salvation, but believe in him who justifies the ungodly, then his faith in Jesus is counted as righteousness. To be in God's presence, not only do we have to have our sins forgiven, but we need to be holy. We need to be perfect in his sight. And Jesus lived the law perfectly. Jesus was the blemish-free lamb of God, the perfect offering for our sins. And his perfect righteousness is given to us as a gift. It's accredited to our account. So it's like if Jesus' perfect righteousness was a billion dollars and our righteousness is like filthy rags, it's like all of a sudden we have a billion dollars in the bank account and so we're good to go we're able to be in relationship with god we're able to go to heaven and be in his presence because of christ and his righteousness that's given to us as a gift i really want to hammer down this idea of not working for your salvation so consider a scenario let's say you're on this plane and all of a sudden the plane it's going down it's on fire so you have a couple options. You can either just stay in the plane and do nothing, and you're not gonna make it, you're, you're gonna crash, and it's going down fast. Or you can just jump out of the airplane and hope by some miraculous means you make it to the ground safely, so at least you won't burn up in the crash, but you're probably still gonna hit the ground, splat, and that's it. Or let's say there was provided each person on this plane the option to put on a parachute and that it was guaranteed 100% if you put on this parachute that you'd make it to the ground safely. What are you gonna do? Obviously, life and death, you're either gonna die or you're going to put on that parachute. I'd say most people would be reasonable and put on the parachute and be saved. Well, the Bible says to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our salvation, and there is salvation in no one else. So working for your salvation, it's like you're in this airplane that's on fire and headed for destruction and you jump out of the airplane, but you don't take the parachute. 
And so you're flapping your arms around as fast as you can, as frantically as you can, you know, doing everything in your power to fly or to try to control yourself in the air so that you can land safely and make it to the ground in one piece. And of course, we know that's impossible. Working for your salvation is like jumping out of that airplane without a parachute. It's going to result in death. The wages of our sin is death. What we deserve, our reward for our sin is death. And more than that, all sinners, it says in Revelation 21 verse 8, deserve to have their portion in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Again, Paul saying, but to the one who does not work, but trusts in him or believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Let Jesus be that parachute in your life. Put on Jesus Christ and be saved. Trust in him, rely on him completely, that what he is able to do, what he has done on your behalf, is sufficient to completely save you. And you can rest in that. So in Romans chapter four, we have this example of Abraham being justified by his faith. His faith was counted to him as righteousness. We have the example of David, his sins not being counted against him. And so his faith was also counted as righteousness. So those are two examples of God justifying the ungodly. And I think it's neat that Paul uses the example of Abraham as an ungodly person. He's using him in this context of being ungodly. Again, the Jewish rabbis in that time would have looked at Abraham and said, if anyone is able to be justified by works, it's Abraham, but not before God. And finally, Paul makes the point that Abraham was justified through his faith before his circumcision, not after. The reason Abraham is righteous isn't because of his circumcision. A lot of the Jews in that day, their identity was in their circumcision. They thought that they were right with God because they were part of the circumcision. Paul's saying, no, uh, Abraham was justified by faith before he was circumcised. And the purpose, as Paul says, was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. And finally, the big point as Paul ends in this chapter, just as it was counted to Abraham for righteousness, so it's also counted to us who believe in him. For us who believe in him who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So we believe in Jesus that he was delivered up for our sins, for our trespasses, and that he was raised on the third day from the dead and that for our justification. We trust in that fact, we believe in Jesus, and our faith is counted to us as righteousness, and we're justified. If you're listening to this content today through the radio broadcast, we just want to let you know that this content is also released as a podcast on a weekly basis. You can find it by searching Adams Road Podcast. Micah Wilder, a member of our ministry, recently wrote a book called Passport to Heaven. When Mormon missionary Micah Wilder set his sights on bringing a Baptist pastor and his congregation into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, he couldn't have imagined that the entire trajectory of his life was about to be changed forever. Micah's passionate effort to convert these Christians was met by a surprising challenge, to read the Bible through the eyes of a child, letting the Word speak for itself. He learned of a God whose love did not have to be earned, and he wrestled with the radical idea of God's mercy for the remaining 18 months of his mission. As he struggled to reconcile the teachings of his church with the truths revealed in the Bible, he encountered the true character of Jesus for the first time and awakened to his need for his grace. 
Passport to Heaven is a gripping account of Micah's journey from living as a devoted member of a religion based on human works to embracing the divine mercy and freedom that can only be found in Jesus Christ. As I lay there contemplating the vastness of the love that had been so extraordinarily conveyed to me, the magnitude of Christ's atonement exploded in my heart like a supernova, radiating far beyond my mortal vessel and bringing with it the desire to fall to my knees. The Holy Spirit then began painting a picture of perfect love before me in mere seconds that I had waited a lifetime to understand. Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, after having been betrayed and falsely condemned, was dragged into the streets of Jerusalem, where he was brutally beaten, fiercely scourged, spat upon, and publicly scorned. The blameless and spotless Lamb of God cried in agony as a vicious crown of thorns was thrust onto his head, and the Roman soldiers mocked him, saying, Behold, the King of the Jews. And yet Jesus was the King of all kings and now sits triumphantly at the right hand of God. Through him, the vast universe and all its glory was created. And yet he was led to Calvary, where he was crucified on a tree formed by his own hands, nailed to it by the very people he came to redeem. And there, on Golgotha's rocky hill, the very Word of God made flesh, endured with incomparable humility the most excruciating and harrowing death the world has ever seen. God's immeasurable love for all mankind was on full, heartbreaking display as Jesus bore in his stricken body the sins, iniquities, and infirmities of the world. Bleeding the precious blood of eternal atonement on the cross, the Messiah paid, in full measure, the debt that we owed God because of our transgressions. But this priceless offering wasn't just a collective sacrifice, it was personal, it was intimate, it was for me. The Savior of the world drank the cup of wrath that I deserved and freely poured out his soul to death for me. As my kingly substitute, he willingly took my place on the cross of Calvary and died on my behalf, a guilty sinner, all the while looking into my eyes and proclaiming his ineffable love for me. Jesus endured a transcendent passion that was driven by an infinite and intimate love that surpasses all knowledge and understanding. He suffered and died because he loved, and for the joy that was set before him, Christ endured the cross. My salvation was that joy. How could anyone love me so much? It was only in this metamorphic flash of grace that it was impressed on me with such an unparalleled intensity just how deep and wide and magnificent that love really was. A love that drove Christ to endure the unthinkable and while suffering unspeakable pain, see my very face. This was a profound love that encompassed the very essence and nature of God himself. This was the sacrificial agape love I had long been waiting for, the only love that could eternally satisfy. Truly, there is no greater expression of love. Passport to Heaven can be found wherever books are sold. This is the Adams Road program. 
Adams Road is a Christian music ministry dedicated to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Today's program features Adams Road songs, Adams Road piano instrumental music, as well as music in the spoken word, offered to God as an aroma of Christ to help spread the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. Check out the Adams Road website at adamsroadministry.com. There you can download our songs for free, as well as our spoken word and instrumental music content. In addition, we share testimonies about the love of Jesus Christ and how He's transformed our lives. Please contact us through our website if you're interested in scheduling our Adams Road team for a time of song and testimony, or if you're interested in scheduling our pianist for a time of spoken word, piano music, and testimony. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you all.